0: It is so good to see you this morning. I wish you from the very depth of all of our hearts uh, a very wonderful and very blessed and very happy Easter. Thank you for being here and and, uh, celebrating this this moment with us here at our church. It's uh, kind of you to come. For those of you that are visiting with us today, um, thank you. Thank you for you know, giving of this time and, and this day of, of being with your family and friends and, and coming to visit with us and being with us. We pray that this time that you'll spend with us, will uh, you'll feel it was well worth your while. Um, normally what we do here at this church is we study the Bible uh, word upon word, line after line. We, we sense that the Bible is as it is a letter written each each individually in each individual book has a purpose has a beginning a middle and an ending just like if you were to write a a letter to your loved one uh, you'd probably start it off with something very special you want to say to them and then whatever is in the middle that you would say and then you would end it with the way you want to end it and we believe the bible is to be read in that fashion and so we study the bible word upon word line after line from beginning to end uh, in each book we don't go like from the very start all the way through it we take each book individually and and try to study it we've been looking through and studying through the book of acts well we've come to a place normally we come to places in the scripture the way we study it is it's perfect for the season uh, this particular time it really was not it was uh, it was there was nothing that really kind of linked itself to the the beauty of this day, the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so I thought I would do, if you don't mind, um, I thought I would leave the book of Acts just for this one week and take a look at the scene that took place upon, which is perhaps one of the most wonderful of all moments in the life of mankind. And that is the, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now I grant you... It's only wonderful from our end of it because we see it in its completion. We now see what took place there on the cross at Calvary. It's the moment that our Lord went through that, it was agonizing. It was uh, just a terrible time. But from our perspective now, it's, it's, it's absolutely beautiful. You want to see what someone did to me, made for me? Look at this. Isn't that really sweet? <laughs> It says the rock, has my name on it, and then embroidered uh, a little cross on there. <laughs> I'm going to blow my nose in that. <laughs> it is really nice. It was, uh, it was such, a, such a precious gift. Um, you guys are so kind, so kind. It's unbelievable. And so what we want to do today, if, if at all possible, is to try to relate to all of us why, especially both those of you that are visiting Especially those of you that uh, just, you know, just find it difficult to go to church every week. Uh, find it hard to understand why we get so excited about what we believe in. Why would, why would someone devote his life to, to talking about Jesus Christ and to, to help and see other people come to know the Lord? What's the purpose of it all, Really? And I believe in Luke chapter 23 and 24. If you want to turn there in your Bibles if you have one. If you don't, there are some Bibles I think in the underneath the chair in front of you. If not, just look on and the person you're sitting alongside of, I don't think they'd mind. Uh, we're just going to read through this this incident that took place in the life of our Lord. And it is it is critical. I believe, hopefully, after we're through that you too will see why we make such a fuss over this time of the year. To be honest with you, for those of you that don't come here every week, we pretty much celebrate Easter every day in our lives, certainly every time we gather together. We believe in a risen Savior. We believe that He is risen. In fact, if I were to say, He is risen, you would say, Indeed. Indeed. indeed." We kind of believe that with all of our hearts here. And so to us, Easter is kind of weekly, really. It's a celebration that we have in our hearts all the time. But this is the time of year where it is kind of special because it is brought to its forefront. And so if you turn with me to Luke chapter 23 and 24, I want to read quite a few verses to you that took place in this scene. Starting with Luke luke 23 verse 33 i want to read to you as as closely as i can the account that was given to us by luke of what happened to our lord Um, by now he has gone through a mock trial they've given him his trial but basically it was really just you know it was a done deal before he walked in there after they had the trial for him and 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 the people were shouting out crucify him crucify him they went and they beat him they beat him beyond recognition really and there now they are leading him to the cross and now we're going to find him on, upon the cross what you need to know that will be important to this whole scenario is at this time of the year at passover both the gentiles and the jews would take the worst of the worst and they would crucify them they would kill them they would give them a death penalty for whatever it is that they have done wrong and so in this scene we're going to see alongside of jesus christ there are two criminals what you need to remember when we read this is these two guys are the worst of the worst they are they are indeed deserving of getting the penalty that they've received watch what takes place read with me please verse 33 it says when they came to the place called the skull there they crucified him jesus and the criminals one on the right the other on the left but jesus was saying father forgive them for they do not know what they are doing they cast lots dividing up his garments among themselves and the people stood by looking on it says in verse 35 even the rulers were sneering at him saying he saved others let him save himself if this is the christ of god his chosen one The soldiers also mocked him, coming up to him, offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourselves. There was also an inscription above him, This is the king of the Jews. Verse 39 says, One of the criminals who were hanging there was hurling abuse at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other one answered, rebuking him, saying, Do you not even fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation, and we indeed justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, today... You shall be with me in paradise. Verse 44 says, It was now the sixth hour, that's noon. Darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour, about three in the afternoon. The sun being obscured and the veil of the temple was torn in two. Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had happened, he began praising God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. All the multitudes who came together for this spectacle, when they observed what had happened, began to return, beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances, the women who accompanied him from Galilee, were standing at a distance, seeing these things. Verse 50 says, There was a man named Joseph, Who was a member of the council a good and righteous man he had not consented to their plan and action a man from arimathea a city of the jews who was waiting for the kingdom of god this man went to pilate and asked for the body of jesus he took it down and wrapped it in linen cloth and laid him in a tomb cut into the rock where no one had ever laid and it was on the preparation day and the sabbath was about to begin Now the women who had come with him out of Galilee followed after and saw the tomb, and how his body was laid. They returned and prepared spices and perfumes, and on the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandment. Chapter 24 verse 1, But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they came to the tomb, bringing spices which they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened that while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling apparel. And as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living one from among the dead? He is not here, he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise again? And they remembered his words. They returned from the tomb and reported all of these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now they were Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, Also the other women with them were telling these things to the apostles. Look at verse 11 and 12. It says, These words appeared to them, meaning the apostles, as nonsense. They would not believe them. But it says in verse 12, Peter arose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen wrappings only, and he went away to his home, marveling at which At that which had happened. You know, it's interesting that if you're here and you find it difficult to believe all that we believe and think, you know, if my family didn't ask me, I I don't think I'd come and listen to this guy with his big nose talk to me. We understand that. At least I do. I understand that even those that were kind of just the best of the best following Jesus Christ thought at times these things that happened to him were nonsense they they just found it hard to believe and folks it's you don't need to be you don't need to be perplexed about it all some of these things that we take as our faith has to be by faith it's hard to understand and believe all that took place and yet jesus christ we're told in the book of corinthians the first book of corinthians 15th chapter he appeared to all of these gentlemen and these ladies he appeared to more than 500 of them at one time after his death and resurrection just to prove to them that he is alive and he is exactly who he said he is the messiah the christ the son of the living god and because of who he is he came so that you and i might have life not just life here and now but eternal life that is why it's, uh, it's, it's utterly amazing that this worst of the worst of thieves would say close to his last breath on earth remember me when you come into your kingdom remember me think it through remember me what was there to remember of his life he was at best a a, a lawless criminal is that the right way of saying it A, a bad guy he was at best a bad bad person remember me when you come into your kingdom if that isn't absurd enough of a statement What Jesus said in return is utterly astounding. He says to him, truly, I say to you, today, we're going to die here. Today, you will be with me in paradise. That, that, my folks, if you think it through, is utterly astounding. And that in and of itself is why we as believers in Jesus Christ celebrate this day with such gusto. Let me try to explain it all. Would you pray with me please? Father, we, uh, we are thankful that you have brought each of us here. We're thankful for those that, that, that uh, don't normally come to church. And, and Father, we do not look down upon them. Man, all of us at one time or another or not all of us but most of us at one time or another were in their same shoes really understand it but father i pray that you will touch each of our hearts today that you would do father what only you can do in each of our lives through your word and so father we we ask that we would be able to behold wonderful things from your law that you would open up our eyes our hearts our minds to We would take this next few minutes and just give you the attention that you so deserve to see what you might say to each of us individually i I pray father for the benefit of everyone here that you would move me aside that that i would not be uh, uh noticed hardly at all but rather that we would see your words listen to what you might have to say to our hearts not what some individual saying namely myself let us if possible father hear from your heart to our hearts we pray this in jesus most precious name amen what we just read in my humble opinion is um, perhaps the centerpiece of all of easter Uh, i said to you it's a it's a wonderful beautiful place and i again say to you it's only wonderful and beautiful from our perspective i mean what jesus christ had to go through to um, allow himself to be nailed to that cross and and to die was a very very difficult difficult death it was uh, brutal they nailed him to the cross they beat him beyond recognition Verse 33 of chapter 23 tells us they took him to a place that is called the Skull. It's commonly known as Calvary. And what we see there is, in my opinion, the most important thing that you and I can look into as far as Easter is concerned. They hang him there alongside of two criminals. One on his right, the other on his left. And as I mentioned a little while ago, what takes place upon the cross is utterly amazing. Both of those men, all of them knew that before the day was over with, they were going to be dead. They, they knew enough about crucifixion to know and hear the stories that if you didn't die upon the cross, and, and it was a terrible death, by the way, it was a, a death of suffocation more than anything else. There was trauma because they'd, they put nails in their, in their, you know, it's all commonly known the nails were in their hands. But, 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 but the way that the cross was dropped into the ground, the nails really couldn't have been placed here. The nails had to be placed here. That, if they were, they were there, when they dropped them in the ground, it would just have torn right through the skin there. Had to nail it through this bone so it would hit that bone. Nailed them through the legs, we are told and there they put them on a cross and if you'll note on a cross it doesn't have one there that they had usually a place where they could put their feet you know why I was really mean but they were on the cross and um, and there they would slump they would start to die in their fluids they would start to just suffocate and because they put that thing there on the on their feet they had enough strength in their legs to straighten themselves out because we all kind of gasped for life they would gasp for another breath hold themselves up until they got so tired that they slumped down again and over and over they did this they knew they were going to die because they knew that if they had enough strength in their legs to keep pushing back up sooner or later someone's going to come and do what? break their legs So that they couldn't do that anymore and they would then die suffocating in their own fluids. It's a terrible, miserable way to die. So they knew they were there about to die. But what takes place from this one criminal is utterly amazing. He says to Jesus Christ in verse 42, remember me. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now that says a lot about him, doesn't it? It says that he knew something about who he was. He at least had heard about who this one was that that, that was called Jesus Christ. Maybe he had seen him preach. Maybe he had just heard from some of his family members or friends. Something he knew about him. Enough to know that he was going to a place that was called his kingdom. Meaning paradise. Meaning heaven. Now, the only thing to me that is more unusual than him asking, remember me when you come into your kingdom, is the request, no, the response from Jesus. Jesus says to him, verse 43, Truly, I say to you, today, you and I, you shall be with me in paradise. If you don't realize what took place, may I say to you, this criminal who is worthy of death, in fact, look again at chapter 23, look at verse 39 there here's one of the thieves one of the criminals says in verse 39 one of the criminals who was hanging there was hurling abuse at Jesus Christ and saying to him are you not the Christ i mean we've heard about it. are you not the messiah if you are save yourself oh and by the way us too the other one said the one who asked him today remember me when you when you go into your kingdom he says this he says don't you fear god I mean, here you are on the cross, here you are about to die, don't you fear God yet? He says to him, we are under the same sentence of condemnation. In other words, we're the worst of the worst here. And we indeed justly, in other words, we belong here. You know, the life that we lived, the things that we did, that's what brought us to this place. We belong here. But not him. He hadn't done anything wrong. We deserve this mess we're in. And so this criminal, who is worthy of death, asks the Son of God, get this now, he is asking the Son of God, he is asking Jesus Christ, he is asking this one that we celebrate on Easter, he is saying to him, give me eternal life. Paradise, Heaven instead of hell. He is asking for heaven. And let's see, what does he have to give to him in return? What bargaining chip does he have? As far as we know, because he's nameless, he has nothing behind him except a life of lawlessness and sin it's an absurd request to be honest with you not only for the family members and the loved ones of jesus christ who are standing there by the cross and listening to all this but what about us what about us today who read about this there are so many people today across this land in which we live who question the whole idea of christianity especially you and me who have faith that we think when we die we're going to heaven and we feel sure of our destiny with just a request of faith unto the savior we feel that we've received eternal life you might wonder and you might ask you mean to say all i have to do is ask Jesus Christ to remember me and I'll receive eternal life. No questions asked about my past. Doesn't sound right, does it? I couldn't agree with you more. I really couldn't agree with you more. But don't take my word for it. Look what happens Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Next sentence. Truly I say to you, today you'll be with me in paradise. No questions asked about his past. No saying, you, you want to you come with me in heaven? Do you know how you lived? Straighten your life out first. No, you got to go to a place called purgatory first. There's no such place. No, you have to have somebody pray for you. At least get you right enough with me so you can come and be with me. None of that. None of it, folks. Think of it. Not a word of it. Just today. 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 You are going to be with me in paradise. By the way, why not all three of them? I mean, you know, if he's going to take one thief, what's wrong with taking the other? Why not? Really, why not? There's only one simple answer to that very wonderful question. You can read it. You know why. Why not? The other guy didn't ask. In that is the very essence of religion. You see, most people have a real bad idea about religion. We think it's a denomination. You got to belong to a certain church, or you got to be good enough. You got to do this or that to get to heaven. And in fact, Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. Ooh, that's pretty good. I said something right. <laughs> it is a relationship that each of us must have individually it is nothing to do with the denomination we have so messed up church we have so messed up religion that everybody seems to think it's it's a place where you go instead of a person who you are it is your relationship that you have with an almighty God one man asked, the other one didn't one man said to one man Jesus says you'll be with me in paradise to the other he doesn't condemn him but he doesn't say anything and the criminal who asked mark this he asked the only one who could fulfill that request you'll note there were all sorts of religious zealots there watching Jesus Christ die saying to themselves if they didn't say out loud go ahead save yourself if you're the christ if you're who you say you are get off of the cross he could have yelled down to all of those religious zealots, Help me, save me, forgive me. He didn't. He turned to the only one who was able to fulfill his request of being in paradise. I'm telling you, as absurd as that request may have been from that criminal then only the fulfillment of what he asked for could be more absurd in my opinion. I ask you, how can someone live a lifetime of sin and in one moment in time ask for and receive eternal life? How could this one request beat hell and get him eternal life, paradise? Better question might be this. What's Jesus Christ trying to teach from the cross, if if he's trying to teach anything at all? Which I think he is. With this request from one of the thieves, Jesus is saying, I believe to all mankind, to anyone and everyone who would seek after him, our former lifestyle is not the issue. What is the issue is, do we have faith in him? Do we trust him for our eternal destiny? This criminal, worst of the worst, who is at death's door. Folks, he has nowhere to turn. Nowhere. He asks Jesus Christ to give him paradise, not hell. I think to myself, that might cheapen your and my thought about heaven and hell. That might cheapen our thoughts about death and life. And I think truly it does. If, if, if we don't understand what the Bible teaches about each and every single one of us. You see, the world for the most part has told mankind that we really have no destiny. There are so many religious beliefs out there that it's hard to figure out which one is right. How do I know where I'm going? And most people have said, I give up. I have no destiny in this world in which I live. There's no reason for my life, ultimately. Where am I going? This group says I'm going here. This group says I'm going there. I don't think we have a destiny, they might reason. All we have is what is right here and right now. This life and nothing more. And so let's make the most of it while we can. Yet... With that thought process, with Jesus Christ answering this criminal, saying, today you'll be with me in paradise, lets us know that there is a destiny. There is a place. And uh, he lets us know that he holds the key to it. He's the one that says, yep, today you'll be with me. In paradise but let's let's draw this out a little bit let's say that there is no destiny if that be true then folks there really is no guidelines and there are no duties that we are to do here on this earth I mean for what reason we see someone get away with murder and we think why not us why not me we hear people say for that matter, who in the world is the final word, the final authority on the difference between what is right and what is wrong? What's wrong with everybody doing what's right in their own eyes? Just as long as it doesn't hurt anybody, what is it what is it to you what I do in the privacy of my own home? The truth of the matter is it's nothing to me. And nothing I can do about it anyway. People will say, who in the world are you to say what we can and cannot do? And others will ask, who in the world are you to judge me? I've seen you sin. No one ought to tell us what we should and should not do in this life in which we live. And so without any duty and without any guidelines, because we have no destiny, then all we have to do is follow our own conscience. That's why there are so many different religions out there. Ah, forget about it. Not even religions. So many thoughts out there of lifestyles. What's wrong with the way I live? What's wrong with the way they live? Oh, boy, you Christians, you're always trying to judge everybody. No, we're not, really. Maybe some are. I'm not. But there is one who does judge. The Bible's clear about that. And most Christians, if they're worth their weight in salt, will try to tell someone that doesn't believe at least where that judgment is coming from. And so people who want to live out their own conscience therefore become their own law, their own guidelines, so to speak, their own rules. They become their own God, really, going their own way. You see, without a destiny, there really is no duty and there are no guidelines. Which makes the last step pure logic. Therefore, we're really of little value. No destiny, no duty, no guidelines. What value are we? We just eat, drink, be merry. Because tomorrow we're going to die anyways. Until we read what happened here. Until we take a look at that one common criminal and all of a sudden we sense that guy is of some value to somebody he says to Jesus Christ remember me when you come into your kingdom and Jesus says today you're gonna be with me in paradise you see Jesus Christ considered this criminal who asks for eternal life He considers him to be of great value. That is an amazing statement. Because most of us look at him as a rascal that got what he deserved. Not Jesus Christ. I believe this scene here with these two criminals and our Lord had a lot to do with more than just his death. It had a lot to do with Jesus wanting you and me to realize that mankind, regardless of our past, is of great value to him. He loves you a lot. We are worth something to God. So much so that the Bible says... God himself gave up his only begotten son. That whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but would receive everlasting life. Key is believing in him. Whosoever believes in him would not perish, but would receive everlasting life. God gave up his son for that criminal. No more. He gave up his son for you and for me. He loves you and me that much. We are of great value to the Lord, regardless of what your past might try to tell you differently. There are four places I want us to look for in the Bible. Uh, I kind of kept it all in John. We could have turned to a lot of different places. Each one proves the point. In John chapter 14, verses 2 and 3, we are told by our Lord Himself that we do have a destiny. He says in John chapter 14, verse 2 and 3, verse 2, He says, in my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, He says, I would have told you. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. In other words, there is a destiny for you. I've got it and I am preparing it for you. And if I go, and if I... And by the way, the word if there is not translated if as far as we translate if. It's more since. It's more a statement of affirmant rather than maybe yes, maybe no. And so he says, since I go, and since I'm preparing a place for you, therefore i'm going to come again and receive you to myself that where i am you may be also yeah you have a place a destiny we all do we also have a duty and we also have guidelines in that same chapter in john chapter 14 verse 23 jesus said to this person if if anyone loves me they will keep my word my father will love them and we will come to them and make our abode with them. You don't need to turn to John 17, 17, but about this word that Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my word. John 17:17 17, 17 says this. Jesus says, because my word is truth, sanctify them, he says, in truth. My word is truth. What we study here week in and week out is God's truth. We try to find out and figure out what is God saying to us as an individual? How does he want us to live? And not all of us will be alike. We will live different, differently. But the truth is the truth. And we try to find it out within each of our lives. Because we have a destiny, folks. Therefore, there are rules. There, There is a duty. There are guidelines that we are to follow. Because... Please turn to John chapter 10, verses 27 through 30. Because ultimately you and I are of great value to our Lord. I'll show you by what Jesus Christ says of how much of a value you are. He says in verse 27 of John chapter 10, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. He says in verse 28, I give eternal life to them. I give eternal life to them. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Today you shall be with me in paradise. I give eternal life to them, they will never perish no one will snatch them out of my hand. In other words, you are of such value to the Lord that you are held securely by Him and you will never, never, never perish. No one's going to be able to take Him out of His hand. Now, let's say, for instance, He's not tough enough. He says in the next verse, look at verse 29, My Father, who has given them to me, Is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. In other words, Jesus is saying, as if, if this, as if this is you, this these glasses. He says, I've got you in my hand, and no one is going to take you out of my hand, and you're not going to perish. And how am I going to do that? For on the other, and to, to secure it, my Father also has me and you. And He also will protect you. And no one will be able to snatch you out of His hand. Because He says in the next verse, verse 30, I and my Father are one. We're the same. You're of great value to the Lord. He loves you more than you'll ever, ever, ever imagine or dream of. So much so that He went to the cross to die for you. You, individually, He died for you. Just like he did for that thief on the cross. He died for you and for me. And I want to say to you, if there was ever anyone, ever anybody who was considered to be of little value, it would have been that criminal. If anyone was worthless, it would have been that criminal alongside of Jesus Christ. And yet, with one simple statement of faith, one simple statement directed to Jesus Christ... Simply saying, remember me. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered without any questions asked. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Jesus showed the world, folks, through this wonderful story. So much more than really meets the eye. He showed the world the value of one single soul. One soul who comes to him by what? Faith. Faith. Think of it. What did that thief have to offer in return for paradise? What could he give Jesus Christ in return for receiving eternal life? I can hear you think. Nothing. And you're correct. He had nothing to give. Nothing to offer except for one thing. The common bond that goes from the Old Testament to the New Testament. It is the one key that opens the door to heaven. And it is called faith. In the Old Testament, they looked forward to the coming Messiah. They had faith that God was going to come in the form of of the Messiah. They had faith. Here in the New Testament, you and I have faith. We have faith that when we look back at the cross, we will see the Savior and we believe, both of us, Old Testament and New Testament. We meet at the cross and we believe by faith We have everlasting life. And the authority that I say to you is true is not me. It's that thief. Remember me. When you come into your kingdom and Jesus Christ answers him because he is of great value. Just as you are of great value, he says, today you'll be with me in paradise. It's the most wonderful of all scenes that any of us could ever believe. Because, folks, you and I have a destiny, all of us. Therefore, we have duties and we have guidelines and and therefore we are of great value. We are great value because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He has risen. He has risen indeed. indeed. He does. He has. That's Why? Maybe you can see why we are so nuts about Easter. Because most of us, at best, are thieves that need a Savior. Most of us, at best, are sinners who need a Savior. And we, like that common thief on the cross, we, at one moment in time in our lives, said, Jesus Christ, forgive me of my sin." Help me to be the type of person that you've created me to be. And he says, not maybe today, but one day, you will be with me in paradise. That's why Easter is so special to you, and me, and us. I say to you with all my heart that I love you. I know you say that sounds crazy. You don't even know me. I don't need to know you. I love you and I love you in the Lord. I believe because I am of value to God, so are you. And if you're of value to God, by God, you're of value to me. And I'd love for you to come to know the Lord. I'd love for you to walk with him. I'd love for you to have a personal relationship with the God of this universe. Who rose from the dead so that we would celebrate on Easter Sunday a risen Savior. So that we might, like that unnamed common thief, we might receive eternal life. Because we would have faith in him. So would you please pray with me? Father, we want to thank you for uh, for the the privilege of, of, um, of this time of the year. Hopefully, someone who came today sees a little bit more clearly why we are so ecstatic about Easter. Why Why the fact that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead is so important to us. Because, Father, we are like that thief. We needed a Savior to forgive us of our sin and to think that you would ask, you would, you would, um, you would do the request that we asked. You would answer that, Father, without any questions asked about our past. Boggles my mind. Help us, Father, to be the people that you've created us to be. Let us realize that we have a destiny. All of us are going someplace. This life is not a dead end. There is a heaven and there is a hell. Father, may we recognize that we have a duty to this life and there are guidelines to to fall under. But most of all, let us realize that we are of great value to you. So much so that you did die. And you rose again from the dead. So that all of us who trust and believe in you by faith may, may receive everlasting life. Today, maybe not today, but soon, Father, we will be with you in paradise. We thank you for that wonderful, wonderful privilege, Father, of eternal life. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I love you all more than I can tell you. I thank you for being here. We'll see you hopefully next week. God bless you. Have a great day.